aren't you already glad you came? Aren't you? Amen. All right, I hope you are now because you may not be in a few minutes. At least there was a good moment where you're excited that you were here. I even saw some of you smiling when we sang, He Has Made Me Glad. It's hard to sing that one without a smile. And I'm thankful today that the, the, the wet weather outside is not dampening your spirit. Just a great spirit today. Been a great spirit all year, all right? I know we're only a few weeks in, but let's keep that going, amen, by being obedient to the will of God today. And I don't know what God's will is for your life. I don't. I'm glad I don't know what God's will is for your life. I have tough enough time dealing with what I know God's will is for my life. But I assure you today, if you will do God's will for your life today, I promise you, you will leave here more glad than you were when you came here. Amen. Let's take our Bibles now. Turn to the book of Genesis chapter number 18. Uh, Chapter number 18. And when you find it, let's stand together. And we're going to jump right into it. I've been really trying to help the nursery workers out. They're such a blessing. And uh, uh, I'm going to wake up one day and uh, my tires are going to be slit and uh, my house is, my yard's going to be rolled if I don't uh, take care of them. And so we're going to jump right in if we could. And as we turn there, I want to remind all of our young people, be sure to go ahead and stow your phone away, all right? Uh, it's a distraction to folks behind you uh, when you update your status in church, okay? So let's be sure we put that away. And I know our adults are not going to do that. Uh, I'm just going to talk to our young people. Let's put those away this morning, amen? Let's focus in on the Word of God. There's, there's a plenty of time throughout the rest of our day to let everybody know what we're having for lunch, okay? Genesis chapter number 18, let's pick up in verse number 1. The Bible says, and the Lord appeared unto him, we're speaking of Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door. And he bowed himself toward the ground. Now watch verse 3, how Abraham is reacting to the heavenly visitors that he has here. Obviously, the Lord visiting with him as well. The Bible says, and said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, and thou as thou, as thou hast said. Now, verse 6 is critical to the message today. Pay, pay close attention. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready, pay attention to that, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. Verse 7, and Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and uh, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Let's stop there. Father, thank you for your word today. What a magnificent passage as we read, Father, about you interacting with your people and how we should respond. Uh, Lord, I know there's so many distractions in our world today, and Lord, I pray that through your spirit, you'll help us, Lord, just to stick them in the back of our mind for a few moments, set them to the side, that we might fully be in tune with your word today. 
I pray your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. Father, as a church, as we seek to be ready for your return and ready to be used, use this passage in the life of Abraham to show us how, Father, we can do so. Most importantly, if there's one lost here today or who's not sure they're ready to meet you, I pray that, Lord, you'd make that clear. Help them be saved today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, We are here now the first Sunday after our Vision Sunday. Boy, I had a good time last week and uh, looking forward to this week at what God wants to do. A Vision Sunday is a lot like a pep rally, if you will, to get our hearts in tuned, to get our hearts on the same page, to know the direction that we're going to be heading in the new year. Uh, I told Brother Bo as we worked on our graphics this year, I said, I want to put it in front of everybody. That way there's no way you can miss it, that our hearts are always pricked uh, by the thought of, am I ready? Am I ready, number one, to meet the Lord? And then am I ready to be used of God? If you're saved, you ought to be ready to be used of God. And if you're not ready to be used of God, you ought to be getting ready to be used of God. If you were here last week, we gave out some gift bags toward the end of the service. And uh, inside of it, we have the cards we're going to be using all year long uh, as we can look and see how we can work to grow together in order to be ready. And that's exciting. But now here we are the first Sunday after that. Uh, Now we really begin in earnest making our way toward being ready, whether in salvation or being ready to be used of God. And my desire is that as we set off on this journey today, uh, as we in earnest begin working toward being ready, that we would do just that. We would take the necessary steps to be ready for when the Lord comes and be ready to be used of God. Now, last Sunday when we gave the vision, that was simply a proposal, okay? Uh, It was a proposal of a desired destination of which we believe that God would have us to go. Don't you think God wants us ready? Yeah, he told John, he says, Luke 1, our key verse this year, go make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Hey, go get them ready. God hasn't changed his mind. If you're here today and you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven. Can I tell you something? The Lord wants you to be ready. You say, well, how do you know that? Because he sent his only begotten son to live, to die, and to rise again, that you could be saved. He did all of that so you could be ready. And then after you get saved, God wants you to be ready to meet him. Uh, In his word, he has all kinds of things we're going to look at, Lord willing, throughout this year on how we can be ready. But remember this, that's just a proposal. Just because God's given us a vision and a direction for where we're going, it doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. That proposal has got to become a possession. I pray that our theme is not just a dream you have. I pray that our theme and our direction for this year is not just something that you would desire. I pray it's something you possess. That the proposal of being ready and getting ready is something that by the end of this year you have a grasp on and you're looking toward the blessed hope of the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that that's a possession for you. But how often do we read about God's proposals and yet they never become a possession? I want to be honest with you. In my life, there's many things in God's word that he has proposed that I could have. He's proposed direction that I could go in, and yet oftentimes I never possess them. Now, why is that? What is it that will carry us from a proposal to a possession? You ever think about that? Boy, as a pastor, that's what racks my brain. That's what keeps me up at night, aside from the dog across the street. What keeps me up is trying to figure out how do we go from God's proposals to God's possessions. And this morning, I believe we're going to learn from Abraham on exactly how we can do that. Simply put, what bridges a proposal to a possession is a plan. 
You've got to have a plan. Having a good proposal is great. Having a good idea of where you're going is great. But if you don't have a plan to get there, I dare say you're not going to get there. I dare say if you don't have a plan to possess what God says we all need in order to be ready, if you don't have a plan for that, then the proposal will remain just that, a good idea. Several years ago, I may have told you this story before, but it's a great one. It's a classic in my life. Uh, I was preaching a funeral in Covington County and a little country graveyard there. And uh, the guys told me at the, at the service, okay, pastor, after you preach, they're going to read a poem. I said, all right, what's the poem? Just curious. They said the poem is something about a white dove on the wings of a snow-white dove or something like that. And I said, great. I said, okay, after the song, we're going to open up that shoebox over there beside the tree, and two white doves are going to fly out uh, in memorial to the family member that we were uh, laying to rest there. I said, okay, that's a good idea, you know. Kind of different. Never seen birds turn loose uh, on somebody's uh, 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 memorial service there at the graveside. It was in December. It's very, very cold. And, you know, so I didn't speak very long, believe it or not. And I got through and I looked over at the gentleman who's going to recite the poem. And he recited the poem. And it was a beautiful poem. And then all of a sudden, looked over at the man with the box. And I gave the nod. It was time to release the birds. And so he pulls the lid off the box. Surprisingly, nothing flew out. I think, well, that's awkward for him, not for me. That was awkward for them. Uh, and so he decided to give the doves a little bit of help. And so he takes the box and he goes, Whoo! and those two birds come out of the box and crash to the ground. He didn't realize that in the time that it took us to preach the graveside and get everything ready and all the things there, that in the middle of December, those birds got quite cold in that box and didn't feel like flying. They weren't dead, but they were on their way. And those birds, it was a very awkward moment for all of us. We're standing there and the birds are just laying there on the ground acting like this, thought to myself, well, well, that went south quick. That was a great idea. You know, maybe my wife, hey, when I die, get some birds, turn them loose, you know, something a little more manly, like a hawk, you know, or maybe a buzzer, turn them loose. Uh, when I die, it'd be more fitting, I guess it would, uh, than a little girly white dove, you know, and it was a great idea, but they didn't really think it through. That in December, in that shoebox, those birds are going to get cold and not be able to fly. You see, they had a good proposal, and they wanted it to come off, but their plan had some flaws in it. I want you to know, if you don't have a good plan, this whole theme is just going to be a proposal to you. You've got to start making plans on how God's proposal is going to become a possession on Wednesday nights. We just started a series. I want to encourage you to be here on Wednesday nights, entitled The Road to Readiness. What we're doing is we're following in the footsteps of great men and women of the faith, and we're learning what steps they took to be ready. Last week, we looked at Noah, great truths there in the life of Noah. This week, we're actually going to look at Abraham. This morning, here's the question I want to ask you. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? All right, we have the proposal, being ready. We want to be ready to meet the Lord and uh, be ready to be used of the Lord. Where do we begin? you got to have that first step. I believe Abraham shows us exactly how to take the ready and make it a reality. And this morning, that's the message we're going to preach for the next few minutes. When ready becomes a reality. At some point, we've got to quit dreaming. Look, I'm a dreamer. 
Uh, I've been dreaming for years about building a house. I've designed a house. My wife and I have designed a house. It's all right to dream and nothing wrong with dreaming. It's a lot cheaper to dream than to go out and get in debt. Amen. Uh, and so if that's the alternative, then dream all that you want. But can I tell you, at some point, you've got to quit dreaming about who you could be and start working toward who you should be. All right? Uh, we dream about all that we could do when God says we need to start working toward what we should do. One of my favorite characters, I think he's my spirit animal. I didn't know that was a such thing, but they tell me you need a spirit animal. All right? So if you don't have one, get you one when you leave here. I have a friend of mine. His spirit animal is a sloth. Why? Because he's slow. Um, slow moving around. Winnie the Pooh, I think, is probably my spirit animal. You say, why? Well, I read a story about Winnie the Pooh and Piglet. They were walking down the road one day, and uh, Piglet says, uh, Pooh, he says, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you think about? Winnie the Pooh says, what are we having for breakfast? Well, yeah, that's my animal. Winnie the Pooh is my animal. And he says, well, Piglet, what do you think about first thing when you wake up in the morning? He says, I, I think about what exciting thing is going to happen to me today. He's already looking forward to what could happen throughout his day. Can I tell you, as a child of God, you ought to be looking forward to becoming what God desires you to become. And that is ready. And this morning, Abraham's going to show us how to make that a reality. Let's jump in here if we could. Go back to, uh, go back to uh, chapter 18. We'll start in verse number 1. What's happening here is uh, Abraham and the Lord are continuing to get to know each other. If you will, God's already appeared to Abraham uh, several times, and now he's reappearing to give him uh, some more of his plans. He's going to tell him that Sarah's going to give birth to Isaac. This is where Sarah's going to laugh. And in the latter half of this passage in chapter 18, he tells him about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, obviously, when you read it, the Bible says in verse number 2, verse number 3, there were other people with them, all right? Uh, now, we can speculate who they were. I read a lot of commentaries this week about different people who they think that were, obviously, angels, some thought the pre-incarnate Christ. A lot of people think who that may be. The good news is it has no bearing on what we're going to preach this morning. What I want you to focus in on is Abraham's reaction to the Lord's visit, all right? Abraham's reaction to what verse 1 says, when the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, specifically verse 6. I want you to notice what he told Sarah to do. He says here, verse 6, Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. Now notice the Lord's arrival prompted Abraham to do what? He says, whoa, the Lord is here and, and he's got folks with him. And it motivated him to get something ready. Can I tell you, when the Lord shows up, it does motivate you to get something ready, right? Now, can I tell you, when the Lord shows up the next time, you're not going to have time to get things ready. All right? So there's the Lord. The Lord appeared unto Abraham. He runs in the house. Sarah, start cooking. Now, I don't know about you wives, but uh, boy, I've done that to my wife a few times. It usually doesn't turn out well, all right? The food does, but you, know, you don't want the company to leave because you know when the company leaves, you're in trouble, right? Because you sprung that on her at the last minute. Pay close attention to two words. The Bible says, make ready, all right? Make ready. So here's what Abraham is saying. The Lord has appeared to us, and we want to have something ready. Is that what he's saying? He wants to have something ready, but something's not ready, and in order to have something ready, he tells his wife, I mean, I look at Abraham and I'm like, man, me and Abraham, we kind of have some of the same genes. I do that to my wife. Honey, I'm not ready, but could you get things ready? And he kind of threw it off on his wife to do. 
There's a very simple truth right here that we must see this morning about making things ready for the presence of the Lord and for the coming of the Lord. And this is very simple. Number one this morning, notice, ready is a matter of making. All right? Ready is a matter of making. Now, imagine Sarah. All right, you wives, I'm sure you can lock in on this one, all right? I learned as a kid, there was something you did not do. You did not go to your parents and invite someone to come to your house with that someone standing beside you. All right, that was a cardinal sin. You did not do that. After I grew up, I learned there's another cardinal sin. It's don't invite people over to dinner while you're standing in front of your wife because she doesn't have time to tell you why it's not going to work out. And he comes to Sarah and he says, Sarah, the Lord's coming home for dinner. Can you imagine that? All right, I can invite you over to dinner, and you're an important person, right? All of you are important people. But there's nobody more important than the Lord. And now the Lord has appeared to him, and Abraham says, Sarah, go get some things ready. Now, what was on the menu? Well, just look down. The Bible tells us. He says in verse 6, he says, make some cakes. Get those ready. You keep on reading down in verse 7, it says we're going to have some uh, a calf, so we're going to have some beef there, maybe some stew. Uh, keep on reading in verse number 8, he talks about having butter and milk that are there. Now, all of these things were not ready, and so in order for them to be ready for the Lord and to present to the Lord, they were going to have to make it ready. Now, here's where we're going with this. All of the ingredients were there, but it wasn't ready yet. And in order for it to be ready, they were going to have to make it ready. Now, there's no different with you and I this morning. Do you know that our Father has given us all the ingredients that we need to be ready? We already got them. You say, what do you mean? Well, watch. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. My sin debt has been paid. I can be ready for the coming of the Lord. I don't have to scratch my head and wonder, am I going, am I not going? Do I have more pluses or more minuses in my life? No, I can be ready. Why? Because God provided everything that I need to be ready. And then after I get saved, you know, there's no reason for you to worry, doubt, or fear about the Lord's coming. Why? You can be ready. So how do we know? Watch this. He loved us enough to give us a grocery list. He gave us all the ingredients that we need that when the Lord appears, we're not afraid. What did Paul say? Paul was looking toward it. Paul says, henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He wasn't dreading death. He was looking forward to it. Why? He was ready. Now, folks, I want you to understand something this morning. There's no reason that we should not be ready when the Lord comes. There's no reason. Why? We have all the ingredients. You know, the Bible tells us, you, you look like you're not getting this this morning, all right? You're not smiling. You're going to drag it out, and it's going to be your fault, all right? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need to know to live, to have life, and to be godly, God has given it to us. Oh, my goodness. Don't we serve a good God? All right? Uh, I mean... I mean, look, if it were me, I'd probably just pop in and surprise you, <laughs> you know, caught you. No, he says, look, I want you to be ready. And so he gave us his word, all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's no reason not to be ready this morning. Now, why aren't we ready? Well, simply put, we haven't made ourselves ready. We haven't made it happen. We have all the ingredients, but we've done nothing with them. Watch, Abraham says, you got some flour? Hey, we got a calf, we got some butter, we got some milk, we got all the ingredients. Let's put it together. Here's the sad truth. Most Christians never put it together. Most Christians have the ingredients to have a home that's ready and children that are ready and marriages that are ready. Hey, you could be a ready husband this morning. You could. 
You could be a ready wife or teenager. Why aren't we ready? We never put it together. We have all the ingredients. Give an example. Around our house, we love cookie dough. Anybody else there with us? We love cookie dough. And uh, we'll be by, I feel bad for the cookie dough because it never gets to live out its dream of becoming a cookie. In our house, I dare say, 75% of the cookie dough never makes it to the oven. Why? Because it's just good to eat it as is. You know, and then you feel guilty, don't you? You look there at the empty wrapper of a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough. And you were home alone. <laughs> and you're like... Did I eat that? Do you ever look at a foot-long sub and think, I ate that? You just put a foot-long loaf of bread and meat down your gullet. I mean, you ever think about that? We are such gluttonous people. We'll sit there at our house, man, and we'll... It, look, it go, it, it's a lot easier if you slice it off in small rings. You know, don't fill a bowl. Just slice off a little bit. It's like a delicate... Some of you folks, you know, you like caviar and pate. We just slice off the cookie dough at our house. Man, it's good. It's a whole lot easier just to eat the dough than, man, you got to heat up the oven, take out the pan, you got to spray it, and you got to set the alarm, and then when you got to get up and turn it off, make sure you don't burn them. It's just a whole lot easier not to do anything with it. And I think we have a lot of cookie dough Christians in the church. Can I tell you, we never make anything out of what we got. We've been in this church 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, I don't know, and we've been given so many wonderful ingredients, and they're all right there, and the reason we're not going to be ready for the Lord is we never put them together. The Bible says God's given us everything that we need. Interesting fact, when you go research, I counted yesterday, the word ready is mentioned in Scripture over 100 times. Actually, it's exactly 100 times. Do you know that almost one-third of those times before you read the word ready, you find the word make in front of it? Why? Ready's not going to happen on its own. Do you know this morning when I woke up, I was not ready for church, all right? Uh, I don't sleep in a suit. I know some of you think I do. I don't. You know, I like some athletic pants and a T-shirt, wear my Crocs every once in a while. I don't dress like this all the time. This is not my pajamas. I get up and I go look at the mirror and I'm like, that's going to take a while. And uh, somebody asked me the other day, his name was Brother Bo, asked me the other day, he says, boy, is your hair coming back on the top? I says, no, I just told the barber, don't cut it up there this time. You know, I'm trying to get it thick up there where I have a, a true comb over, you know, where I can cover up the, the bad spot. Miss Mary, I'm sorry, I told you I wasn't going to talk about my hair anymore. And I did it, my bad. I'll make sure I work on that and repent of that later. It took me a while to get ready. Look, you may not like what you're looking at this morning, but I promise it's a lot better than what I looked like when I woke up. It took me a while to make this happen, all right? And some of you are uglier than I am. It took you a while to make that happen too. Can I tell you, there's no reason this morning we shouldn't be ready. But ready requires us to make it. Put the ingredients together that God has given us Luke 1 17 just right here in front of you on the wall make ready a people prepared for the Lord you know the Bible that you read in, in, in Luke and Mark about John he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness John what are you doing out there eating locust and honey what are you doing out there wearing camels there I mean in the middle of the desert you're crying what are you doing I'm making them ready John couldn't make them ready as is he had to go to them now, folks, if we're going to be ready, oh, my goodness, we've got to realize ready is a matter of making. We're going to have to put some work into that. Now, I want you to think about John. 
When John's out there crying in the wilderness, making ready a people, can you imagine how John felt when all of a sudden here comes Jesus? Isn't it great when you get caught doing what you're supposed to be doing? Some of you know the other feeling. You've been caught doing what you're not supposed to be doing. That's horrible, you know? I'll be sitting there working on Leslie's Christmas list. I started it last week. You know, hear about things she likes, writing it down. And then suddenly she walks up behind me. She's like a phantom, just appeared out of nowhere. And I'm like, ah, I'm trying to hide it. Why? Because I want to get her a good gift. Man, the Lord is going to sneak up on you one day. He really is. The trump of God is going to sound. And oh, you're going to want to be doing what he called you to do, making ready a people that are prepared for the Lord. Sooner or later, you're going to have to take all the ingredients and put them together. You know, uh, it's a shame we live in a world that really, um, we push away personal responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault why we're not what we ought to be. But the truth is, God's given you the ingredients, and I don't care what other people have said, what other people have done. When you stand before God, we can't blame other people. Why? Because we're supposed to be ready, and in order to be ready, we've got to make that happen. You've got to do something with what you've got. Read a story once. Uh, it obviously happened before my lifetime, but boy, what an amazing, uh, amazing truth this will apply to what we're talking about today. October 14, 1962, a U-2 spy plane would land in Florida. And on that spy plane, there was some very precious cargo that would really help shape world events in our country and literally around the world. What was on that U-2 spy plane were several rolls of sensitive, confidential, top-secret film. Uh, That spy plane had been up taking pictures and came back with something that the president needed to see. They took that film, they took it to a top secret place to be developed and immediately got it to the White House where a young John F. Kennedy would look at pictures of the Russians building up a missile base and short-range missile silos down in Cuba. Many of you know the story very well. As he sat there and looked at the pictures of this military buildup that Khrushchev was bringing right into the backyard of the United States of America, this young 44-year-old president, I mean just a year older than I, I can imagine making such decisions that are going to impact the rest of the world, he had to decide what he was going to do with the information he had. He immediately ordered a blockade of Cuba and began sending ships down to block things off. And Khrushchev was going to test the mettle of this young American president on whether or not he was actually going to put up a resistance. And finally, Khrushchev gave in and the world was at peace for a little bit longer. But that young person, that young president had to decide, I have this information, what am I going to do with it? And the outcome of millions was dependent upon what he did with what he knew. Can I tell you this morning, there are people, not just yourself, that are going to be influenced, and their lives will forever be altered by whether or not you decide to take the information you've been given and do something with it. Too many of us as God's people, we know what to do, and we've learned the verses, and we've memorized Scripture, but we're nowhere close to be ready. What God wants to know is with all the stuff you got up here, and we love talking about, what are you doing with it? You've got the ingredients, you know the Romans roll, you know the fruits of the Spirit, and you can quote Scripture for days, but what are you doing with it? At some point, you've got to put it together and get on the road to becoming ready, or God's going to come back and catch you not what you ought to be when you need to be. All right, number one this morning, ready is a matter of making. What a sad thought that most Christians will leave this world, and this world is going to be no different because they were there. Tomorrow we'll have another memorial service. This will be two in two weeks. 
What a blessing it is at these memorial services to be able to talk about how these people served the Lord and gave the Lord parts of their lives to be used of him. And there are people in this world, watch, whose life has changed because they were here. Have you ever thought about what difference there's going to be in the world because you were here? You ever thought about that? You just want to live and live for yourself and do what you want? I want you to think about something this morning. Jude chapter 1, verse 22 The Bible says in some having compassion, watch close, the Bible says making a difference. Making a difference. Do you know, differences don't just happen. You got to make it happen. You got to make it happen. You got to say, all right, I want to leave something behind that I did for Jesus. It's not going to happen. If a difference is going to be made, you're going to have to make it. At some point, put it all together and get about the will of God for your life because the trump of God's going to sound and one day you're going to look up and he's not going to be standing at your tent like Abraham. He's going to be standing in the eastern sky and it's going to be too late to scramble and throw something together. I mean, I'm sure when the Lord left, Sarah gave him an earful. I'm not sure about that, but she was human. You could have gave me some warning the Lord was coming. You know, your brother, your cousin, your aunt, all right, they can just drop in. I would have loved to have had something grand together, and they just put it together. A lot of us are going to have that same feeling. We're not going to be ready simply because we didn't make ready happen. Number one, number one, how do we go from the proposal to a possession? We've got to have a plan. What's the plan? Well, as sooner or later, you've got to start making something happen. Take the ingredients, put it together. Number two, the Bible says in Abraham, watch this. What's the next word? And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah. And then watch this and said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal needed and make cakes upon the harp. And then look at verse number seven. And Abraham, what's the next word? Ran unto the end and, fe- uh, and fetch a calf and good and gave it unto young men and he hasted to dress it. Notice those four words. He hastened quickly. He ran and the Bible says he hasted. Now, I want you to picture what you're reading here. Do you see Abraham just being so lackadaisical? All right, let's go get something together. Hey, do you have something you can microwave? Just take out some leftovers? You know, no. Abraham's running. Abraham says, We're, we don't have anything ready, but the Lord's right there. we got to get something together. Now, in order for it to be ready, he was going to have to what? He's going to have to get moving. All right? got to get moving. This is number two this morning. Real simple stuff. Notice ready is a matter of moving. Ready is a matter of moving. At some point, Abraham was going to have to make a move in order to be ready to give to the Lord what he desired to give to the Lord. Now, this is very simple, but I believe very true. Making ready means sooner or later you've got to make some moves. You've got to make some moves. We are good old-fashioned Baptists here in the South. Our theme song is, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Right? Like a tree planted. I'm not going to sing it for you because that would be cruel and unusual punishment. That's our theme. We don't move. We know the Lord's coming, and that doesn't move us one bit. We're two weeks in. I wonder if we can check these boxes. Yes, I gave out a gospel track this week. I had seven whole days. 
and we didn't pass out one gospel tract. We know the Lord is coming. We know the eastern sky is going to split. We know we're going to see Jesus, and one day he's going to be standing at our tent door. We know that. It hasn't moved us at all. We're not hastening. We're not moving quickly. We're not running. We're not hasting to make sure that we're ready for when the Lord returns. Now, let me ask you this question. How often do we desire to make ready but are unwilling to make moves? Look, I think all of us want to be ready, don't we? We want to be ready, a people prepared for the Lord. That's what we want to be. We want to be ready. Look, if you want to be ready, you're going to have to make some moves in your life. At some point, you've got to decide, okay, Jesus is coming. Now, look, I can't see him, but in my, my mind's eye, I think he's closer than he's ever been. I think he's coming to a tent door near you, and the trump of God's going to sound, and Jesus is coming, and wait a minute, I'm looking around, and nothing's prepared, nothing's ready in my life. That's why this morning, we got to get moving. As my dad used to say, get a move on. <laughs> Amen? Get our move on. Well, I used to work construction with dad, and we used to build houses together, and dad always used to say, if you're going somewhere, get there. You know? What a blessing it was as a teenager when I had my driver's license, could run errands. Oh, that windshield time. You know how it is. You take the back way to get to the hardware store. I'm going to stop and pick up Cokes for everybody and, you know, and have my prayer time on the side of the road. I forgot my prayer time today, and I need to pull over. And we just take our time getting about the business that we're left here to do. Folks, can I tell you, when Jesus comes back, I promise you, you're going to be moving. <laughs> it's going to be too late. All right? You're going to be moving that way. Not making sure everything's ready. And here's the sad thing. All the ingredients are there. All we got to do is get about making some moves in our life. Oh, can I tell you, when God, uh, when, when God called me to preach, I was scared to death. Didn't want to preach, to be honest with you. I was an introvert. Let that show you how God can change somebody's life. I used to didn't like to talk. And look what God did for me. You're like, what a blessing. Why, Lord? Why, Lord? The things that have fallen out into you are for the furtherance of the gospel, okay? That's what Paul said. Man, when God called me to preach, I was scared to death and sitting back there in the invitation. My heart, I could see my heart beating. I mean, my shirt was moving. I was scared to death. Man, I didn't know what to do. Didn't want to. But I wanted to do what God wanted, and I wanted to be found of him when he called. Doing what he said I was supposed to be doing. Now, can I tell you today, I don't know what God's will is for your life, but it'd be best if you started making some moves. Sometimes it begins with making a move down to an altar. There's nothing special about this wood. But what it just shows an act of humility before God, that, God, I'm willing to bow before you. I'm not ashamed to come before you. I'm not ashamed to bow and humble myself before Almighty God and say, all right, God, I'm ready to make some moves in my life. All the moves I've made toward the Lord, I promise you, are ones that I have not regretted. It's the ones that are moving away from the Lord that, that hurt. Matthew chapter 4, we know well, the calling of the disciples. Now, here's the thought I want you to get, and I'm going to get to the third thing and let you go. It's amazing how often before someone was used of God in a mighty way, their first was a movement. They had to make a move. Matthew chapter 4, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. Could we all agree this morning that following is movement? And then what did they get to do? One of them would get to walk on water. They would all get to see the miracle of the loaves and the fishes and see Lazarus raised from the dead. Think about the awesome stuff they got to be a part of. It began with a movement. They had to make a move. I think about old Zacchaeus. 
All right, here comes Jesus walking along. And old Zacchaeus, is he ready? Oh, no, he's not ready. He's not ready to meet the Lord. And then here comes Jesus walking along. And I kind of feel, look, if Zacchaeus was a human like I am, I'm kind of hoping he just keeps on moving. I hope he just keeps on going. And then he stops right under your tree. Has the Lord ever stopped underneath your tree? Oh, he has. And you're thinking, well, maybe he's just taking a break. Oh, no, no, he knows where you're at. And he looks up in the tree and he sees you up there and you're thinking, maybe he's just bird watching. Oh, no, he's looking at you. Why? Because he wants to help get you ready. That's what conviction's all about. When the Holy Spirit convicts your heart, he's trying to get you ready. Hey, don't run from that. What did he tell Zacchaeus? He says, hey, you, you need to come down. You need to come down. Is that not a movement? Zacchaeus got to move, and I'm going to come down, and his life was forever and eternally changed. You know, I wonder this morning what type of change is waiting in your life on the other side of you making a move. You're not ready this morning, but watch. The Holy Spirit of God is going to come up to your heart's door. He's going to knock on every heart's door. You're going to think, well, I'm not opening it because I don't want to hear what he has to say. Can I go ahead and tell you what he has to say? All right? I want you to be ready. That's why he's convicting you about being saved. That's why he's convicting you. He said, well, I'm already saved. Heaven's my home. But are you ready to be used of God? And he's convicting you about, I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to give that up right now. I don't want to turn. Is that not a movement? Oh, if you only knew this morning what God wanted to do in your life. But ready is a matter of moving. You've got to make some moves in your life toward the will of God for your life. I think you look at the church in America, maybe even here at Central. Oftentimes... We're not ready because we refuse to be moved. We refuse to be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. That's not a good thing in this context. Abraham says, there's the Lord. We got to get some things ready. And that involved him making some moves. By the way, can I just throw this out right quick? What a beautiful picture it is that both husband and wife are making moves together. Sarah, would you get the cakes ready? Did you, did you notice that, husband? He said, Sarah, would you get the cakes ready? I'm going to go get, get the cow ready. You see, there was something for both of them to do. Mom and dad, can I tell you, husband and wife, young person, there's something for everybody to do. There's moves everybody's got to make. You say, well, I'm just waiting for her to get the cakes ready. You go get the cow ready. All right? It's a lot easier to make a cake than to clean a cow. And here we are sitting back looking at our wives saying, man, that woman, she just doesn't make the cakes right. Meanwhile, the cow's wandering the hillside. Hey, there's something God wants us to get ready. There's something all of us that need to put together. And if we focused on God's will for our life, oh, when the trump of God sounds, we'd have something to give to him if we were just ready. Number two, ready is a matter of, of moving. I had a pair of pliers a while back and uh, kind of reaping what I sowed. You know, as a kid, we'd take dad's tools outside and Use them for everything they were not meant for. Leave them outside and they would get rusty. And the other day I went to find a pair of pliers to cut some wire. And I found a pair of pliers and they were rusted shut. And I'm like, yep. As man soweth, that shall he also reap. <laughs> the Lord was right and dad was right again. And they usually are. And I looked at those pliers and they were froze up and useless. Watch, they were not ready to be used. Do you know why? They hadn't been moved in a while. They froze up, rusted. And then when I'm trying to pull them together, I smashed my hand. 
and felt real spiritual. <laughs> you know, there's little S's and big S's. This was a little spirit, not a big one. Man, gosh, that caused me so much trouble. Why? I hadn't used it in a while. It wasn't a whole lot of movement. Most of us this morning, I'm, I'm afraid we're not as ready as we need to be. Why? Because we haven't made a move in a while. The Lord deals with our heart. We're just ready to get out of here. It's 12.02. Like, man, it's time to go. If we were more concerned about moving this way instead of that way, I promise you we'd be more ready. I told somebody the other day, we're going to, Lord willing, take some men down to Mexico in March. And uh, Brother Beer told me, we're going to work in the day and have church every night. Woo-hoo! I know. Look, if you've ever been down down to Mexico, my grandparents built a church down in Mexico, been serving. Man, they stay three, four hours. I don't know that I'm that spiritual. I'm thinking about bailing out. Send my dad in my place. Why? Man, they're not there to leave. Why? Because they want to be ready. And here we are, the church in America. We're supposed to be the light on a hill, and we're no more ready than the man on the moon. Why? Because we're not movable. Holy Spirit convicts our heart, and we're ready to hit that door running. Why? i got to get to the buffet before the next guy. Probably going to eat something that causes heart attack anyway. Number two, what is he doing? He hastened. He was moving quickly. He ran. He hasted. He's making moves. Second Chronicles 7.14, if you think about what the Lord told us, we needed to have our land healed. Three of them were movements. Humble ourselves. Watch this. That's bowing down. That's a movement. Pray, seeking his face. That's moving after the Lord. Turning from our wicked ways. Notice, three out of the four were movements. I believe this morning that we could be ready, but we're going to have to make some moves. Finally, verse 6, Abraham says, Sarah, get some things together. And Sarah starts getting things together. He brought the cow and got it cleaned. Verse 8, she brought some butter and some milk. Watch closely, verse 8. And the calf which he addressed and set it before the Lord. Can I ask you, why was Abraham going through all this trouble? Why was he making ready and making moves? Why was he going through all this trouble? It's, it's very, very simple, okay? Don't overlook the obvious here. It's because of who he's doing it for. He's doing this for the Lord. He's making ready. He's putting it all together. He's making moves. Why? He's doing it all for the Lord. It's because of who he is going to, what verse 8 says, set it before. You see, he was making all of this ready to offer to the Lord. Please do not miss this important truth this morning. Do you know why I'm working through this list in my personal life? Why I'm trying to get ready? I'm not doing it so I can be better than you. I'm not doing it so I can impress my wife. I'm doing it because being a witness, being sanctified, walking with God, forgiving, having the fruits of the Spirit, when the Lord comes, those are things I want to offer to Him. You see, this is number three, and it's vitally important before we close. Ready is a matter of meaning. What was the meaning behind all of this? Well, he wanted to have something to set before the Lord. You know why you do something? will determine how well you do it and how long you do it for. Why you're doing what you're doing. It'll determine how well you do it and how long you do it for. Abraham, don't you have better things to do than go chase a cow across a pasture? No, I have nothing better to do than to make sure that I have everything that I can set before the Lord. 
Sarah, didn't you have things around the house? I'm sure you had other plans. Yes, but we're talking about the Lord here. I've got to make sure that I'm ready, that I make the right moves. Why? So that I have something to lay before the Lord. You see, all of these things here, you're not going to get a gold star down here from the pastor. But, oh, if you have those fruits of the Spirit and the armor of God and you look down at all the things that God would have us to have, that's something you can give God. By the way, that's something he really wants. Sometimes we think, boy, I'm just going to give a lot of money. Oh, God doesn't need our money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You know what he wants? He wants godliness, righteousness, holiness, sanctification, repentance, everything that's on here. Freddie's about having something to offer God. You know when the Holy Spirit convicts your heart about something? Do you know what it's all about? Making you ready to have something to offer to the Lord. I'll give you an example. Romans, uh, I mean, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. The Bible says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Please listen to this next part. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that should be holy and without blemish. Why does the Bible say, you look on there, down the list, sanctification's on there. Why does the Bible say we need to be sanctified so that we can have our nose stuck up in the air and be a Pharisee and look down on other people? Not at all. It's so that when the Lord comes back, we can present to him the bride of Christ without spot or blemish. I think he's worth it. Amen? I think God is worth a spotless bride, a righteous and holy bride, and I'm going to do my best to make ready and to make moves. Why? Because the meaning of it all is Jesus. You want something to lay at his feet. That's why you want to be ready. Oh, we, we get off sometimes on this. Anything you can do, I can do better, and we start one-upping each other. Well, I don't drink Coke, and well, I don't drink water. Well, I tell you, I think it's ungodly to look at the moon because humans went to the moon and after a while we have all of these superficial, artificial lists that are going to count when we stand before God. But what does count is holiness and righteousness, faithfulness and obedience. That counts to God. And why do we do that? Not to impress anybody else, but to give God what he's worthy of. God is worthy to have a servant and a bride that it's holy and it's just and it's clean. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, watch, watch, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Why, why am I holy? Why do I try to live a holy life? Why don't you try to live a holy life? Not so we can be better than somebody else. We got to get off of that. By the way, if somebody else is the meaning of your holiness, your holiness is worthless. The meaning is for him, holy, acceptable to God. But notice this key word right here, that ye present. That's the meaning of it. That's the meaning of it. Why, why, why should we be ready this year? Why should we make ready? Why should we make moves? Well, just like Abraham, you're going to have a day in your life if the Lord tarries. I think in our lifetime, really do. You're going to look up, and there's Jesus. There he is. Except for this time, you don't have time to throw something together. I've, early part of my life, I was a very good procrastinator. I think it was a spiritual gift I had. And I got this adrenaline rush off of throwing something together. I told my class last week, 20-page paper on outlining the entire book of Revelation. You give me about 24 hours, 
And I got this rush out of doing it the last minute. Made a B. Not bad. Could have done better if I put more time into it. There's going to come a day you're going to look up, and there's Jesus. And either your heart's going to be overjoyed or you're going to be terrified because you don't have anything ready. And you're going to say, Lord, would you just wait a minute? I haven't given the attention to my family. They're not ready. My kids aren't ready. My home's not ready. I'm not ready. God, no, no, no. You're not going to hold him back. The date's been set. The clock is ticking. And you're going to see Jesus. And all that's going to matter to you is that you were ready. But at that point, it's too late. Can I ask you this morning? We have a t-shirt around here somewhere, and they say, are you ready? Number one, are you saved? There's no time in the twinkling of an eye to pray, Lord, save my soul. There's no time. And oh, when you see him, it's going to be too late to throw something together. Christian, can I ask you this? Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you have faithfulness, obedience in your life? I'm not talking about things that I give you. I'm talking about things straight from the word of God. Are you ready? Because one day, look, God keeps his word. He's coming. And we're going to look up and there's going to be Jesus. And all that's going to matter is that while you were here, you put things together. You've got all the ingredients. It's time to start making something happen. It's time to start making some moves. Because one day that's all that's going to mean anything to us is that we're ready. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.